Welcome to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast, and today I am excited to have with me John Haber, who is running for Orange Park Town Council. So, Mr. Haber, first of all, uh, thanks for spending some time with me today, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. This is uh, something that's new to me, and you know, I, I follow podcasts from all over, and this is something that uh, you know I feel gives the community an opportunity not to just get to know me, but uh, to know about your your podcast as well. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, yeah, and, and really, you know, uh, my goal here is, is, as always, to let people hear from uh, candidates running for various offices. So tell us a little bit about who who is John Haber and why does he want to be on the Orange Park Town Council? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I'm not one to really particularly brag about myself. Um, I grew up in this town. This is Orange Park. As a matter of fact, I was born at NES Jack's. And uh, my parents were here with the Navy, and uh, my grandfather served both uh, in the Air Force and retired out of there at the 125th Air or Fighter Wing. And uh, the best part about it was we stayed local. We never traveled like most military families. My father did the traveling for us. Um, he served in the Blue Angels back in 86 to 89, so I was very proud of of being a young kid, being able to go and sit inside a blue angel at a very young age and um, still have those memories of, of the military. And um, as I grew up, you know, it became um, part of my life of being a civil servant of being in the Boy Scouts just kind of really instilled those values of, you know, serving your community, serving your religion and to, and to do your best for others, not just to, be somebody you're not, but to to learn about all walks of life and to give back 100% to everybody else, um, regardless of, of what political spectrum they're on or whether if they're rich or poor, it's, it's about being personable to everybody in the community. So that, that was one of the biggest things I think uh, in 2002 being an Eagle Scout and accomplishing that milestone in my life was, one of the, the milestones that I'm the most proudest of. Um, and it led me to being a, uh, you know, I went to college for a short period of time, but I found that my country and, and my duty to my country was just more of a calling to me at the time. And I joined the Marine Corps in 2005. And uh, shortly thereafter, 2010, I was medically retired. And, um, and just tried to find what I wanted to do. You know, um, there's that brotherhood in the Marine Corps that you just can never find anywhere else. It seems like, um, and I found that with going into law enforcement, I served a little bit in fire department, um, but found that it wasn't the same that I, I was looking for. And I was, I guess you could say I was a little bit more of an adrenaline junkie, um, searching for that, that excitement of, of wondering how, how you could just be one with the community, but yet, you know, have that thrill of an excitement of doing something that others would never do. And, um, and that goes with the fire department, you know, running into a burning building is something that most people are laughing at you. And, and as they're running out of the building and when chaos hits the scene of a, of a mass shooting um, in, you know, your community, everybody else is running the opposite way but the police and everybody else, they're all running towards that, that, that fight to 
to help others that may have been injured and may not have been injured, but to go into chaos and control the chaos. And I think that's what I loved about law enforcement was, you know, you were able to take chaos and control it yourself by your actions and by your leadership. And so um, in 2015, there's no secret. I'm not ashamed of, of it. And I'm very outspoken about it. You know, I was in an officer involved shooting where two of my partners were shot and um, we returned fire and long story short, we were found um, justified in our actions. Um, about a year later in 2016, I was awarded the Medal of Valor for my actions during that incident and um, continued my career through law enforcement serving as a violent crimes detective. And after a period of time, you know, you, you see so much violence and it, it's, you become so dedicated to the job. I remember being in, in, uh, San Diego on a vacation and still having my work laptop with me because my, my job and the, the victim's lives mattered that much to me that I spent part of my vacation at a San Diego police department, um, working a case from their office in San Diego, just so I can have closure for that family. And so it just kind of goes into how dedicated I am when I get my mindset on something that I'm, I'm not just doing it halfway. I'm going to do it a hundred percent of the way. So that was one of the biggest excitements for me was um, being able to give these families closure. And um, in 2018, I decided to step away from law enforcement and, uh, and just come back home, be part of my community that uh, I would visit every single weekend. Any time opportunity I had, I would actually come back to Orange Park. It wasn't that I'd stay in my local area. I'd actually come back to the community that I grew up in. And it was, you know, I had family here, my grandmother, um, the house that I live in is my grandmother and my grandfather's house. And it just, those roots that are still here, I wanted to have for my kids themselves. Um, and so bringing that small town back was kind of like my goal. I was hoping to see that again. And, you know, your neighbors are out and you get to see your neighbors, but they're not, it's not the same Orange Park as it was before we've become, um, you know, like I said in a interview with uh, Clay today was, um, we've become a St. Augustine without the attractions. And it's not saying that we don't need to become developed, but we need to become um, an attraction for the local community and to, to have things. So um, that was the, the gist of my life. You know, I, um, I've always served my community. I've always served my country and I've always served my God. And those are the uh, most important things to me. So it sounds like, you know, what, what I hear you saying is that uh, the the Orange Park Town Council is sort of the next step in, in a long line for you of, of, you know, giving back to your community and serving your community in various ways. Um, and, and that's pretty cool because I, my perspective as a person outside of Orange Park, who, you, know, I, you know, I live in Clay County, I don't live in Orange Park, is that, uh, you know, <laughs> God love them, I don't view all of the folks that are on the Orange Park Town Council as folks who necessarily are uh, looking to do acts of service. You seem seems like there's some folks that maybe you're trying to make a career out of politics, and I'm not asking you to chime in on anybody in particular, right? So just I say that to say that it's refreshing to me to hear somebody say, like, you view it as an act of service for the community you live in and love. Um, so I, I want to focus on that a little bit. Like, your family's there. Uh, you got a lot of roots there. Um what what is what is the best part for you, or some of the best parts about living in in the town of Orange Park? Like, what what is it that makes Orange Park special? 
the orange part specialty to me and or what makes it special should i say is you know when this town when i was a young kid and, and this is me going back many years but you know we we were out there on river road we we all knew somebody on river road or we knew somebody that had a, an organization that was able to bring the community together um back years ago they would do festivals and carnivals and different events for um for the fall time when it came to orange park elementary school and i remember going out there and and they'd have a, a piece of wood and you'd see how how many strikes it took for you to to get that nail through the piece of wood and that was a memory of mine and you know a lot of things have changed people have become um very um i guess the best way to say it is sue happy where everybody's afraid of being sued or liable for something that they host on their property or their for their community and we need to kind of you know get back to the roots of community if it's not just an organization that wants to sponsor it can be you know a simple block party and and so part of that is you know what we need to do is as a community say hey you know we're we're doing a block party say on plainfield or off one of the side roads in plainfield invite montclair invite bel-air invite gano invite everybody invite the river road residents and even holly point but bring the community back together and that's what i remember the town being was something that you know is a small town feel that still had the you know the development but it wasn't the the cornerstone of it it was the people that was the cornerstone and that's where we've i feel like we've gotten away from that and so going back you know i think that we could bring that back and there's there's those great possibilities and aspects of the community that that our history is so enriched um through the years and we don't want to go so far back that we're recreating the wheel um but we want to go back and and kind of sand those rough edges of those wheels around so that we can bring back, you know, both the growth that needs to be done as long as it's smart, where we bring the community input in and get out there in the community. Um, if you don't get out in the community as a, as a, and, and people say politician, I can, it's very well known that I'm not a politician. I'm, I'm a, I, I, my viewpoint is I'm more of a leader. I think that um, leadership needs to get out in the community and if there is a development, get out there and explain why this development is happening. You know, it may not be something that they don't like. It may be something that they like. You just, you don't know until you get out there. And, it, you know, and that's just one of those topics that, you know, if you, if you really reach out to the citizens, you're going to have a better feedback. And, and even if they don't agree with you, they're going to be more comfortable with the decision made because you at least made that attempt. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. So being a resident of Orange Park, do you feel like, um, the, the current folks who are running the show, the leaders, council members, whatever you want to call them, do you feel like they are, they are taking into account the, um, the voices and the concerns of the people in Orange Park? Because I get the impression me personally, and again, I don't live in Orange Park, it's this, to me, there seems to be a disconnect, right? I've had some conversations with some of the folks, not all of them, but some of them, and some of them seem to view the Orange Park populace um, as as 
a means to an end. How, how much money can we get out of them? Like how, what new taxes or fees can we install to do, you know, grandiose things? There's a park, you know, a stretch of land's going to be turned into a park named after Rob Bradley. There's this infamous, uh, you know, Kingsley Road development. I forget the, the official name of it. Um, there's this methadone, there's a controversy over a methadone clinic that's going in and, and some of the folks that are in charge now seem to feel that, that the Orange Park townspeople are simply there to provide cash for the Orange Park town council to decide how to spend. Um, so, so I'd be curious to get your perspective. I don't feel like they're listening to the people in the town. How do you feel about that? You know, and you mentioned the, the methadone proposal, that's something that, you know, it should have been looked at and, and considered that we are starting to develop. We're starting to be, um, we're trying to create new ways to bring in uh, tax rev- or revenues so we can lower our taxes because, you know, in fact, we do have a higher tax rate than, than say the county, but you know, we have some of the best police officers around um, not to say that Clay County Sheriff's department isn't the best, but we have some of the most dedicated officers that, I know for a fact they can drive down my street and wave to me and go speak to my, my kids. And that's something that most communities don't have. That's the small town feel that I'm talking about. Right. Um, and then same with the, the, the fire department. I mean, I'm a cub master. Um, most of the time <laughs> I stay busy with boy scouts to this day. Um, and it's nothing to call, pick up a phone, call them, say, Hey, could you be here? For our local youth, we cannot come to your facility, but could you come to us? And they are Johnny on the spot saying, absolutely, let us come there. So we do have a great fire service. We have a great um, police service. And we also have a great uh, public works department. I mean, you can go out there and talk to those gentlemen, and they will carry on a conversation with the residents that, you know, it may be about the waterways in our town, you know, what is being done. And they they don't know a hundred percent of the answer, but they will sit there and they will make sure that you find the answer out and they do their, their due diligence to, to really reach out to you. So as far as the taxes go, you know, that's, that's something that we do need to consider. You know, we don't want to keep going up in taxes and it's one of those things right now where we're battling our economic structure, not just at a state level, but at a national level with this COVID-19. So we have to be creative in our ways to, um, develop opportunities to bring in, you know, not necessarily big corporations, but what's, what's a high generating tax revenue. We need to look at that to figure out maybe a small business that does great in their gross of sales. Well, now we've got a lot more taxes coming in because their sales tax is going through the roof because they're doing a lot of sales. Right. Um, you know, you can look at even a franchise, find somebody that's willing to open up a franchise, like, you know, just throwing this out there, chicken salad, chick. It's a great restaurant. It, it attracts a lot of people um, and it's healthy. So you're kind of considering health issues too. Um, but when it comes to the methadone and start going back to that is we don't have regulations in place. This is not just something that's occurred in the past three years. So I can't point fingers at current council members, but it goes back to many years. We should have had these, um, regulation land regulations in place so that you know situations like this doesn't happen and you know a lot of residents say well it's going to bring a lot of crime and and some say it's going to you know decrease property value and and coming from a law enforcement background I, i do a lot of research and and that's just how 
I've always been. And, you know, it doesn't bring crime in a lot. As a matter of fact, the sources on International Chief Association of Police say that, you know, there's no evidence to suggest that. So we can't use, oh, let's go bring crime. And, you know, but the concern is, you know, are these people leaving this methadone clinic with a medication in their system and maybe not have a, a driver to drive them home? Right. Um, are we inviting more, um, you know, vagrants that maybe are homeless and that need a place to stay? But we also have that hotel in the corner um, that does have a lot of issues with, with um, uh, best way to say it is with addictions. And um, so we have to consider those options of how, how we're going to keep our community safe. But again, it goes back to the regulations. We should have had these in place before. And I understand that they have it in the budget this year to, to have um, our land regulations looked at and to create some guidelines that are a little bit more uh, strict to allow not 15 car washes in the town, but to regulate that. And that's something that's important. We need to, to focus on is, you know, how are we going to regulate it without, you know, breaking because they, this methadone clinic is going to be covered under ADA. So you're dealing with that battle, but you have to be um, smart about it, but you have to have, um, you know, these ways to facilitate both aspects. You know, if it's, maybe a, a community in, in Keystone Heights that has a bigger issue. Well, let's get with them and, and figure out how we could facilitate maybe getting that clinic put down there right? where it does have a need um, because we're, we're, we're at the cutoff line. We're at Duval County and Clay County. And yes, it would service two areas, but we need to focus on our community here and the people need to be looked at first and not, not some uh, business coming in. Um, that could bring, you know, a lot of strife. But again, it goes back to like the Kingsley Road or the uh, development that you mentioned, which is the Orange Park Plaza. Right. The simple fact is getting out, going to the community and reaching out to them specifically. And it's not just sitting behind a dais on a Tuesday night because how many people show up? If you look at the at, at town council every single week or every single Tuesday, or I'm sorry, every other Tuesday, it's the same people every single week. You yep. might get one or two new faces, but it's the same people. If you look at the online feed of views, it's the same 10 people. Right. Well, we're only getting 20 people in the community, which those people will talk and it'll get out a little bit more, but it's not bringing in the, you know, the outlook of the entire community. And that's why I say, you know, go out to the community, talk to them. If, if you've got a methadone clinic coming out, go out there and explain to them why you've got a methadone clinic coming. Explain to them why you've got an Orange Park Plaza coming in and what it's, what it's going to do. If you just sit back and you relax and, and just say, well, they didn't attend the meeting, well, you're not getting the full community output because not everybody gets off at the same time. That's, they have yep, kids. that's exactly what I was going to say. Not, you know, some people's lives don't necessarily permit them to show up to those meetings. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of people don't have that seven o'clock hour um, availability. They're getting kids ready for school. I mean, this is the middle of the week we're talking about, or you know, the earlier part of the week, should I say? But still, kids have baseball. They have Boy Scouts. They have church events. They have all these different events, and not in most cases, there are two people working. 
Yep. And that is where people say, Hey, seven o'clock, you know, I've done all this all day. I've been work since I've been up and working since, you know, six, seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, my wife leaves for work at Baptist downtown as a, as a nurse manager or assistant nurse manager. And she's gone for 12 hours. So, you know, she gets home about almost nine o'clock at night and that that's tough for somebody to sit there and justify on their day off to have some downtime to recuperate from working a 12 hour shift at a hospital yeah. during the COVID season. Um, and so it's detrimental to the community when you're not doing them of just service. I mean, we just went out and changed our, our water bills and we went it to where you can put notes and, and send out flyers and that sort of thing. Well then do that, put in some information there about these events, about these, um, which they are starting to put events out there about farmers markets and, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, if there's some topic that's coming up that is detrimental to the community, that could be a, you know, an issue that could raise some, uh, maybe some blowback or some issues. Well, then address that. Let people know, because not everybody follows a Facebook. Nobody follows a Twitter or, or um, even a town website unless you physically go to the website. So, how many people are really getting involved and engaged because they're not aware? Right. Um, you know, you can put a billboard up all day, but if you pass by it, you know. Two minutes later, well, it's a different topic. It says now hiring, not town council meeting tonight. Yep. Um, so that's that's one thing that you know we as a community need to get back in. I think a lot of those the proposals and the controversy controversial issues can be simply looked at if we were to go back to the old days of walking the streets and um, and and getting out in the community, um, getting them involved in and that sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's it's a shame that that we you know there are a lot of politicians, and this just isn't it isn't just isolated to you know the Orange Park Town Council that that sort of have that exact viewpoint that you said. Well, we had a meeting and nobody showed up, right? So I mean, I guess that means that they don't you know they don't want to have any input, and we can do what we want, and they use it as sort of carte blanche to. Uh, and I don't think I'm not saying everyone on the Orange Park Town Council is that way, but there are a few, right? Um, but I agree with you, you know, what I see, both uh, the Orange Park Plaza, the Methadone Clinic, um, other things that are going on, what I see is when an event happens, you know, like the fall festival or farmer's markets uh, that the town of Orange Park does, I'm well aware of those, and I don't even live in Orange Park, right? So those are well communicated outside even the town. But these other things, it seems like, I don't know if it's purposely or, or, or you know, I don't know, accidental, it doesn't seem like the, the things that, are, you know, to an extent are more important uh, and, and could be more impactful to the people's lives in the actual town of Orange Park. They don't seem like they get communicated as well. And I agree with you, um, you know, the, those town council members, the mayor, the vice mayor, all of them, they should be out and about in the community talking to people, you know, and, and uh, I don't know, it, I guess arrogantly, I don't think that the Orange Park town council or really any town council of that size is a full-time job. Right. So, you know, it's not like they, they have administrative things that they're attending to eight hours a day, you know, every day for, right. and I know some of them have jobs and they have businesses and I get that, but, but you would think that they could make room to actually get out and talk to people. Um, what do you like in your mind, if you had to pick like a couple of things uh, that are the biggest challenges that the town of Orange Park faces, 
what would you say are the, the biggest challenges facing the town at the moment? Yeah, the biggest challenge is, you know, with with the shortfalls that we're having right now in our economic status um, from not just, again, local levels and, and state levels, but from a national perspective, we're, we're going to be facing those types of, of times of, you know, how are we going to create a budget with less? Um, and so we need to be mindful of that and, you know, not to say that we're going to get rid of people and, and that sort of thing. You, 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 we have the bare minimum, in my opinion, of law enforcement and firefighters. If anything, we need to have more firefighters, more police, and, and more um, public works just to accomplish go- goals that we need to get done. I mean, you can assign something for public works today, and it may take a few weeks because they've got 10 other projects going. You know, if you could segment the crews to say, hey, your, your crew does this, your crew does that, your crew does that, which is generally how it's being run, you know, utilize them on a larger spectrum, and that'd be great. But um, the biggest overall challenge is going to be the financial. So, I mean, we do have to have development. Um, and it's not saying that um, I'm anti-development, but we need to be smart about it. You know, how is this going to affect our community? Is it going to bring in uh, a mass influx of, of traffic? Um, you know, we need to look at traffic patterns. Um, we, we are the main thoroughthrough, sorry about that, um, for Fleming Island. Right. And, you know, we, we service Fleming Island just through our roadway. Um, everybody's leaving Jacksonville, going down to Fleming Island or even going down to Green Coast Springs or, or down to Palatka um, or vice versa, going up from there to Jacksonville. So we need to, you know, consider those types of things that um, how is this business going to fit into our community? Um, you know, is this business going to bring in more traffic and create more of a headache for local residents? Or is this going to be something that is going to be, you know, not not a bad thing? Um, but, right. you know, again, it goes back to getting out there and if you have an idea, that's a great idea. Sometimes, you know, go out there and say, Hey, that's a great idea. Let's present it to the public. Now let's walk the streets. How is this going to affect you? And I'm going to use the orange park um, Plaza as an example, you know, had they have gone out and been transparent, the blowback probably would not have been as bad because you would had a community output and input and they could have gone back and said, Hey, you know what? Let's see if these changes can make, things better and still accomplish our goal. But that's going to be our, our challenge. And that's the overall challenge is getting politicians to not be a politician and be a leader. That's right. That is in fact the true challenge for this town. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, you know, the Orange Park Plaza, we could do a whole, <laughs> we could do a whole nother episode on, 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 uh, my thoughts and your thoughts and everybody else's thoughts on, on that. Um, but it, it does show that, it, you know, to me, that gives proof to my theory that, that there is some sort of disconnect between the residents, uh, at least some of the residents, um, of Orange Park and, and the folks that are in positions of leadership in the County. And I'm not talking about the, uh, you know, police or fire. I'm just talking specifically about the Orange Park Town Council, right? Um, you know, the, those the 
some you can tell that communication isn't happening and they, they don't it doesn't seem like the town council has their uh, pulse on on what the community wants and doesn't wants and likes and dislikes because if so you wouldn't think that there would be these big dust ups uh, over over proposed development and you know you would think that if they were communicating well they could have avoided some of these pitfalls by knowing ahead of time because I think one of the big things was the height of the building going in or a parking garage the height of it and like oh they'll be able to look down into like windows of other people and it's taller than the trees you know if the Orange Park Town Council was thinking rightly communicating well in my opinion they would have known okay we probably shouldn't make it higher than x amount of feet because people aren't going to like that it's going to cause a problem for folks right so. Uh, what? And it could have been said, hey, you know, let's let's make it two-story. Maybe yeah. that would be, and I'm not saying that that's what the residents would have wanted, but, you know, what could we have done differently with our plans to right. keep you happy? You know, would it be just keeping off traffic off of Orange Avenue, you know, and, and just simply using Kingsley? Um, and and those simple, the little small details. Um, and, you know, the from what I've understood, they've removed the parking garage. Um, and, and I'm not a hundred percent certain cause I haven't heard that specifically. I've just heard it from uh, one of the council members that uh, emailed me and um, specifically said that, you know, in fact that they have removed the parking garage. Well, you know, you have to, for every 150 square foot, I believe it's, you have to have one parking space. Right. Well, you remove a parking garage. Does your, does your building and, and zoning and, and all your codes meet that requirement now? Right. Or you'll rely on simply a bus service? Well, how, how much does that bus service really run? Once, twice a day? And Yeah, there's not, not any pretty, real, I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, there's not any real public transportation anywhere in Clay County, Orange Park or other No, like, yeah. and, you know, it's important that, you know, we we do have that because we do have a lot of elderly in our community. This is, uh, this has always been that retirement community, um, where, you know, your grandparents usually resided until, you know, they passed on. Um, and so we've, we've always been somewhat of a retirement community. Um, and we're getting a little bit more liveliness because, you know, kids are, and parents are passing on or grandparents passing on and handing their house over their kids. And, and that sort of thing. However, the the transportation system that that's something that we could easily partnership, and it's just a matter of reaching out, working out a partnership with different, um, you know, whether it be the Clay County on aging, those types of things could be preventative. And, I, and I've seen it Clay County. I'm not going to say that they don't because I've seen them drive through Orange Park and pick up people, but um, make it where there's a number. Um, maybe even team up with Uber or Lyft to help residents that need to just go to the grocery store um, that don't have internet because let's face it, not, not hundred percent of people use internet. Um, and you just make, pick up the phone call and set it up and you have a ride to maybe Tuesdays to go pick up groceries at Winn-Dixie um, and those types of things. But it's partnerships are key as long as those partnerships are, or, you know, a positive outlook for the community. And, uh, you know, I personally don't mind if somebody says, Hey, you know, Mr. Hobber, I need you to come pick me up, um, to go pick up groceries. Well, let's go pick them up. I have no problem doing that because that's where my foundations of, of growing up come from. You, you always help out, you know, if a car is stalled on the side of the road, you don't drive around it 
you help them get out of the road to get the safety because what's not to say somebody else is going to rear in them while they're pushing their own vehicle, but always helping out others is, is the key factor of things. And when you start bringing those roots back and it's not just to our community, but all over the world, you're going to start seeing people respect one another again and small town politics is where you start. You start at small town and you work to the county and then you work to the state and then you work to national politics. But as soon as you sit there and you cut off saying, you know what, that car is just broken down. I'm too busy. Five minutes out of your day is not going to hurt you. And we need to bring back that, that wholesome feeling of this is not just a small town, but it's a, a community that lives within itself that supports one another and their residents. And like you said, you know, there is a disconnect and we need to, we need to find ways to, to bring back that disconnect and not bring it back, but to, you know, pull apart from that disconnect and reconnect with our residents. Um, and that's, that's one of the most crucial things because when you start getting the residents together, they're talking, they're working together. When I took over my Boy Scout pack, you know, we, we had um, kind of a lot of, of things. We're about to fold, and somebody actually asked me, could you take over? And I said, absolutely. Well, I, I sat back, and I watched for a year, and I saw what, what needed to be done with our pack. And I saw where these boys were just, you know, they're excited to go do these little things. But what it boiled down to is when you bring a fire truck to the pack meeting, they've never been so excited because this is something that's new to them. Um, and then you start working on the communication with your group. And once you get all those communications and you get the motivations and the satisfactions of not just the scouts, but the parents, well, then their overall performance and their, their willingness to stick around is going to last far, far longer than somebody that just says, well, I'm going to focus on your, your performance and not the other two. Um, and so if we do the same thing with a town where we focus on what's satisfying our residents, what's motivating our residents and performance can be translated into how active they are in the community and how responsive they are to events that are going on or decisions being made. And that's where we need to get back to. Yep. I agree. All right. I want to end our conversation with two positive things. Um, okay. first talk a little bit about you, you posted recently on social media that you're going to take, uh, the pay that you would receive if elected to the town council and donate it to various, uh, you know, organizations and, uh, um, charities. I don't know what the right term is, but tell, tell everybody a little bit about what you plan to do with the money that you would get if you're elected. Again, you know, we are a very small town. Um, and you know, sure. You'll be doing a lot of different things for the community and the residents, but, a leader leads others to do better for themselves and for their community. And to me, I'm not a politician. I'm proud to say that I'm not a politician. I don't want to be looked at as a politician. Um, And the reason being is I feel that this is a civic duty. This is a community service to the rest of the residents in our town. And this is their tax dollars. They, they say that they wanted to increase the pay to $6,500 to attract new people to, to run for office and to, to pay for their campaigns. Um, well, I'm just going to say, look at, look at the campaign 
uh, finances this this election season, and um, it's not being utilized for what it was intended to be utilized. So you can't you can't justify that. And I don't want to be that person um, paying for you know taking that five hundred dollars from a community resident and going out and enjoying myself because this is something I chose to do. It's a choice. It's not something that you're demanded to do or are forced to do. Um, and so by giving the check away, I feel that it's giving back to the community. Um, and it's not just the sporting events. I mean, I will be donating and sponsoring youth from our community that can't afford it to go play baseball, to go play football, soccer, whatever they so choose. Um, and I'll have different community, um, residents reach out and say, Hey, Mr. Howard, this boy can't afford it. He'd like to play soccer, baseball, or football. And I would be more than happy, you know, and hold it bells accountable, put it in, put it in town council, make it, make it seen. So that way they have the same opportunity to do the same thing, represent 20 kids or even 25 kids for that matter from the town. And, um, and show that this is truly where your heart is. Um, holding other politicians or leaders accountable. Um, so that's my goal is, you know, we've, we've got to hold everybody accountable to their, to their office and to their political positions. Um, but um, for me, it's, it's a civic duty. Um, you know, if I have to go to Tallahassee, then in that case, yes, I would be using it to pay for the expenses to go to Tallahassee because it's for the community, not for me. It's not a vacation. It's, how can I better the town? Right. It's, you know, I, I remember 2003, I went to Clay County Day in, in Tallahassee, and I was 18 years old. So 18 years ago, I did this. And um, I've never been so excited in my life to go Tallahassee, didn't know anything about, you know, state legislation and how the state really ran, but had an opportunity to do so. And it costs money to go, you know, you're, you're paying for your food, you're paying for your gas, and you're paying for your hotel. Right. Well, that that's one thing. But if I'm going out and say I show up to my house with a new boat and I'm using the money to pay for a boat, well, that, that to me seems a little unreasonable and unfair to the rest of the community. Um, but if I'm giving back to the Boy Scouts of America, local PACs, uh, local troops, um, I'm giving to um, the Big Sister or Little Brother programs, to the Challenge Enterprises that has – kids with special needs that need need those extra resources to run their facilities to give them greater opportunities um then those organizations are just as important to me um and even the small businesses if they have a philanthropy that they're you know very proud about let me know i'll be glad to donate to it because this isn't my paycheck this is your paycheck that you're paying me and it needs to go back to you and the community all right yeah, um, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing, right? I don't hear, you know, I don't think anybody else in the county is doing that, so it's definitely definitely something interesting. All right, so last thing I got for you, I want you to give uh, the listeners your 30-second elevator pitch on why they should elect you to the Orange Park Town Council. You know, <laughs> that's the, the strangest question I've ever been asked of, and there's no really big pitch, but I can honestly guarantee people that, you know, I will be accountable to them. It won't be the government accountable uh, or holding them accountable. It'd be me accountable to them because that's where 
I truly feel passionate about that the citizens are the ones that are the government and not the other way around. And that's the foundations of our constitution. It didn't say we, the government, it said we, the people. And, um, and that's what I'm passionate about. And so not only accountability, but being transparent with each of the, the residents, if it's something that's a, a controversial topic that could be potentially controversial or toxic, then getting out, setting up days where we're out, um, meeting the residents. And while we're doing so, you know, get, get some trash bags, pick up the, pick up the neighborhoods. I mean, just do something good, give back to somebody that, that has put you in the seat so they know that you're genuine about this community and that your heart is truly about the original community. Um, you know, I know some people say, well, let's not go back too far to the old roots because they didn't believe in this and that. Well, it's not saying that we're going to go back to, to restricting, you know, breweries and, and certain things, but we need to um, go back to the historical roots of how close our community once was and build the gaps in unity um, amongst our communities and, uh, and really focus on the future generation of our, of our town because, you know, 30 years from now, maybe even 60, however long I decide, <laughs> the good Lord decides to let me live, um, I'm not going to be the future leader. But I hope I've touched a hundred other individuals long enough that they are still um, just as passionate as I was growing up as a child in this town um, to do what's right for this community, keep keep the passion and the history of this town alive, um, because that's what we need to do. But um, you know, I, I recommend always people just do their research. You know, whether you you support me or you don't support me, that's that's a God given choice. But um, the the choice of the matter is do your research, do your due diligence. You know, there's going to be disinformation with any political election, whether it be national, local or or state politics or even um, municipal politics. But do your do your due diligence, research each of the candidates. And, um, you know, I'll never speak poorly about another candidate because I, I like to look at my character as, as a as a positive thing, not a negative thing. Um, so, you know, April 13th is the election here at town hall. And, uh, you know, I look forward to meeting everybody on this, on this exciting adventure. Um, this is an adventure that I want to share with you because this isn't just my adventure. It's uh, everybody's adventure and the town needs to be a part of that and needs to be aware of it. Awesome. Well, folks, you heard it here first, uh, Mr. Hobbard, you know, Thank you for coming on the show. Wish you wish you best of luck at the polls. Um, you know, and if you if you do win, I want you to come back on and uh, do a little victory lap after you've been in office for a little while and talk about uh, how it's going. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for having me, Josh. I really do appreciate it.